0: Isaac is the son of Abraham. God promised Abraham that he would have descendants and that they would become a great nation. And through this nation, uh, the world would be blessed. It was through Isaac that Abraham's line would continue and it would birth a great nation. Isaac marries a woman named Rebecca and they soon realise that they are unable to have children. They are childless. But Isaac prays and asks that God would grant them a child, and in God's grace, he does. Rebecca falls pregnant, not just to one baby, but to two. The twins jostle and wrestle within her womb, and God says to Rebecca at this time, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger The twins are born, firstly Esau, and secondly Jacob, Jacob clutching the heel of Esau. Esau and Jacob were going to become two nations. The firstborn, Esau, would become the nation of Edom, and Jacob would become Israel. God said all that time ago that the older, that's Esau, which went on to be the nation of Edom, would serve the younger Jacob, Israel. God knew and had predestined the destiny of Jacob and Esau's descendants. Israel would become great and Edom not so great. But at the point we uh, read Obadiah, uh, in the context that uh, Obadiah was in, uh, God's plan didn't look like it was coming through. the northern kingdom of Israel had fallen to the Assyrians some time ago and in the recent past, the southern kingdom had fallen to the Babylonians and Edom had actually fought against Judah uh, in, uh, in that uh, southern kingdom's destruction. Israel has been exiled out of the land, removed from the land and Edom were part of helping that happen. The promise that the older would serve the younger that Edom would serve Israel, at this point was looking like a bit of a joke. Edom fought against God's people uh, and was there to see the downfall of Jerusalem, the holy city. And so here we land in the book of Obadiah, and God speaks to Edom, a nation who laughed in the face of God's people, the nation of Israel, uh, as they saw it fall to its knees. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you that you spoke through prophets long ago and you promised big things. Uh, Lord, please teach us from your word today uh, and help us to see uh, your goodness and your justice. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, When you're young, there's nothing quite like the strong desire for justice if you were a sibling, Uh, Nothing was more frustrating for me as a kid uh, than my little sister kind of nagging at me, hitting me, punching me, whatever, uh, behind mum and dad's back, just for me to go to mum and dad and be like, mum, Madeline hit me or whatever, and they'd be like, it's fine. I'd be like, what? This is such an injustice. Come on, she was just hurting me. No, nothing would happen. And on the flip side, when I would do the same to my sister and mum and dad did nothing about it, I thought it was great, but my sister infuriated, absolutely infuriated. Uh, Now that I'm a bit older, I mean, I have a little small child as uh, myself, but now that I'm a bit older and I can see parents who have older kids who fight with each other, I can see that it's quite hard to parent sometimes. It's hard to enact proper and fair uh, justice. It's hard to know how to... uh, You know, give the right consequences, know who is right, know who is wrong. We run parenting courses to help us on this. We read books about uh, teaching us how to deal with bad behaviour. The list goes on. If you're a kid, you've probably felt it. If you're a sibling, uh, you really want justice. You don't want to be uh, unfairly treated. Of course, the desire for justice extends beyond home life, doesn't it? We just watched a documentary this week on 9 11. It was just recently the 20th anniversary of uh, the terrorist attacks that happened in the US. Um, And when that happened, the nation uh, cried out for justice. What is going to be done? Something needed to happen because of the violent attacks that happened in New York. But what about God? Is God just? What about those who violently persecute and hurt God's people? What about those of us who reject God's rule? All of us reject God's rule. Will God be just in punishing us? I think it's a big question. What is God like? How does he enact justice? Well, I think the book of Obadiah helps us to consider uh, not only God's justice, but also God's grace. And to do this, I think we have to consider the the destiny of Edom in the book of Obadiah and then look at the destiny of Israel. So first, let's look at the destiny of of Edom. If you want to keep your Bibles open and read with me. In verse 1 and 2, it says this, The vision of Obadiah. This is what the Sovereign Lord says about Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord. An envoy was sent to the nations to say... Rise, let us go against her for battle. See, I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. So Obadiah, this prophet, uh, receives a vision specifically for Edom. And in the vision, God says, A call has gone out to the nations. Rise, let us go against her, which is Edom, for battle. The sovereign Lord of all nations has sent a call out to Edom's neighbouring countries and said it's time to attack Edom. God's saying here, Edom, danger is coming your way. Edom is going to become a small and despised nation. But why? Why is judgement coming on the nation of Edom? Well if we keep reading in verse 3 it says this, the pride of your heart has deceived you You who live in the clefts of the rocks and make your home on the heights, you who say to yourselves, who can bring me down to the ground? Though you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. The Edomites are a proud people. But more than that, they're actually violent as well. If you look in verse 10, it says, Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, Remember, Jacob's well and truly dead by this point. This is Israel. Because of the violence against Israel, you will be covered in shame. You will be destroyed forever. And if we keep reading in verse 11, it goes on to kind of describe the acts of Edom. It says, "'On the day you stood aloof while strangers carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. You should not gloat over your brother in the day of his misfortune.' nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction nor boast so much in the day of their trouble you should not march through the city uh, through the gates of my people in the day of their disaster nor gloat in their calamity in the day of their disaster nor seize their wealth in the day of their disaster you should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives nor hand over their survivors in the day of their trouble what has edom done For God to judge them in such a way? They've proudly reveled in the violence against Israel, against God's people. They stood laughing as foreigners stole from Israel. They partook in violent actions against Israel. They boasted and gloated in the misfortune and suffering of God's people. They soared like eagles as Israel suffered. But because they took, partook in this violence and in this persecution against Israel, judgment was coming. This prideful nation was going to be brought down. In verse 5 it says, If thieves came to you, if robbers in the night, oh what disaster awaits you! Would they not steal as much as they wanted? If grape pickers came to you, would they not leave a few grapes? But how Esau will be ransacked, his hidden treasures pillaged. All your allies will force you to the border. Your friends will deceive and overpower you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you, but you will not detect it. In that day, declares the Lord, will I not destroy the wise men of Edom, those of understanding in the mountains of Esau? Your warriors, Teman, will be destroyed, and everyone in Esau's mountain will be cut down in the slaughter. This prideful and violent nation is going to be spectacularly humbled Edom has been terrorising the people of God, and God acts by punishing them. But why was Israel going through such a hard time, if they were supposed to be on top like God had promised? Well, they too were actually being punished for their sin. They had rejected God's rule, and they'd actually been uh, practising idolatry. God's predestined plan, though, back when Jacob and Esau were born, was not forgotten, nor had God failed. Even though Israel was sinful, they were still God's people. Although most of Israel had been removed from the land, even though the city of Jerusalem uh, had been destroyed, in this message to Edom, there's good news for Israel. Toward the end of the vision, we hear and read of the destiny of Israel. Uh, if you read in verse 15 and 16, first God says something about all nations, which I think is key in helping us understand uh, God's grace in this story. In 15 and 16, it says this, The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Uh, Your deeds will be upon your own head. Just as you drank on my holy hill, so all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and drink as if they had never been. Just as Edom had drunk, just as they were going to face judgment, so the nations would drink and drink. They would face judgment just like Edom. All nations were facing the same fate and consequence as Edom. They too were going to be judged for their wickedness. But the story of Israel is so different. In verse 17, it, it goes on. But on Mount Zion uh, will be deliverance, it will be holy, and Jacob will possess his inheritance. Jacob will be a fire and Joseph a flame. Esau will be stubble, and they will set him on fire and destroy him. There will be no survivors from Esau, the Lord has spoken. Jacob, Israel, was going to possess the land again. They were going to possess. Uh, their inheritance. Israel was going to come back to the land that was taken from them and possess it again. The land would be delivered from the hands of the Edomites and all the other nations that had ravaged the land. And the Israelites were going to be fire and flame, removing and destroying uh, all the other nations that were in Israel. The Israelites and the land was going to be pure. It was going to be holy again. By the grace of God, God's people were going to be separate from the nations. They were going to be holy. They were going to be set apart. God gave the Israelites the land all that time ago because he wanted them to be holy and set apart. He wanted them to be different from the nations around them. God gave Israel the land so that they could live together as God's united people and live in a way that honours and pleases him. And through the holy city, Jerusalem and its temple, God was there with them. And they could offer sacrifices to him in a way that he saw fit. In the land, fellowship with God was possible. And so when the Israelites were exiled out of the land, it wasn't just bad because they lost their homes or their farms. It was bad because they lost their community. They lost holiness and separation from the nations. And they lost access to the temple The city of Jerusalem. The Israelites sung and lamented in Psalm 137. They sing, By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. They missed Jerusalem. They sung, How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? The relationship between the Israelites and God was strained. We need to be back with our God. We need to be back in the land. And so when God says that they're going to receive the land back, it would have been exciting. God says in, uh, in verse 19 to 21, he says this, People from the Negev will occupy the mountains of Esau, and people from the uh, foothills will possess the land of the Philistines. They will occupy the fields of Ephraim and Samaria, and Benjamin will possess Gilead. This company of Israelite exiles who are in Canaan will possess the land as far as Zarephath. Uh, The exiles from Jerusalem who are in Shepharad will possess the towns of the Negev. Deliverers will go up on Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau. And the kingdom will be the Lord's. The Israelite exiles were going to regain everything. Uh, they would have the whole land back again and God's age-old promise uh, promises would be true. And thus ends the book of Obadiah. Edom, an evil nation who violently attacked the Israelites, who gloated in the, uh, and boasted in the pain and suffering that the Israelites went through, would face the wrath of God um, because of their wrongdoing against God's people. Israel, the people of God, uh, that were in exile for their sin would be delivered from judgment, and they would reinhabit the land that God had promised long ago. So the sovereign God of all nations keeps his promises, he is just, offers deliverance and restoration for his people. But for us, we live two and a half thousand years later we 're not Israelites, we don 't know who Edom is. And so what does this book mean for us? Well, firstly, I think we learn something about God's justice. When we hear the violence uh, from Edom toward Israel, it's not that hard to translate that uh, to what we see today in the suffering and persecution of our brothers across the world, our brothers and sisters across the world. Uh, In China, Iran, Algeria, people are being sent to prison for their faith in Jesus. Our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan are being hunted down to be brutally murdered for their faith in Jesus. Uh, On the 15th and 20th of August in Nigeria, 40 of our brothers and sisters were burnt to death for their faith in Jesus. And 12 of these uh, believers were, were children. These are not random people. We might not know their names, we might not know uh, what they did for work or what their families were like, but they're members of God's family. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. The church is being attacked every day and we don't even hear the worst of it. In the book of Malachi, written about 200 years after the book of Obadiah, um, It writes uh, that the Edomites were destroyed beyond recovery. They weren't going to come back. Uh, The nation that had persecuted God's people uh, were going to be held to account for their actions. And in the end, God basically wiped them off the map. God speaks powerfully to those who are being persecuted through the book of Obadiah. And God speaks powerfully to us as we hear about our brothers and sisters across the world being persecuted for their faith. God is just. He sees the pain that his children go through and he acts with judgment against those who hurt and gloat in the pain of his people. When people violently attack his church, God sees all and he will act. This is comforting to know. It's comforting to know that although People act so unjustly to God's family. God will do what is right. He will act with justice. This doesn't mean we should hate um, those who persecute the church. Jesus actually says, "He says, um, you've heard it said, love your neighbour, but hate your en- and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you." While God God is just and He will punish those who hurt His family. Uh, We can also pray for those who do persecute the church that they might come to know and love uh, Jesus, that they might come to know uh, the grace of God. Uh, No sin is too far out of God's grace for people to be brought back and so we can pray that they come to know Jesus. We can also pray for those who are suffering. We can bear the burdens uh, alongside our brothers and sisters who are facing persecution and we can pray for them. We can pray that their suffering might produce perseverance and persevering character and character hope, hope in the fact that Jesus will deliver and restore them, hope in a time where he will wipe every tear from their eyes where there will be no more uh, death or mourning or crying or pain, Um, a time where they will live forever with Jesus. We need to pray that they cling to this hope. We need to pray for their safety And we need to pray that God would work powerfully through their circumstances for his good. God is just. He will do what is right. But of course, there's more to the book of uh, Obadiah than the fate of Edom. Uh, There's Israel. And so what does the story of Israel uh, and God's plan for them have to do with us now? Uh, Well, I think we learn something about God's plan for deliverance and restoration. In the end, the Israelites do come back into the land later, but God's promise here for full access and ownership of the land was only partially fulfilled. Nothing was ever going to be exactly how it was when Israel had full control of the land before the exile. When the Israelites came back into Jerusalem and began to rebuild the temple, if you read in the book of Ezra, uh, the people who saw the old one were incredibly disappointed. Uh, The Israelites were still scattered amongst the nations, coming together back in Israel as a whole community again. Uh, It just didn't seem like it was going to happen. But God had something much, much bigger in mind. Uh, How is God going to deliver and restore God's people? Well, the disciples actually knew that Jesus had something to do with this, and they asked him, they asked him, Uh, In Acts 1, they say, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The exile meant that God's people were separated from God because they had no access to the place where God met with them. But here, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit was coming to all who believe. That was much better than God's people returning to Israel. No matter where God's people were, God was going to be there. God was going to be present with his people. And community centralised around Jerusalem wasn't uh, wasn't going to be necessary anymore. God's people... Uh, were going to have the Holy Spirit. God was going to be with his people wherever they were. And this makes sense because of the promise that God had made to Abraham. God said, I'm going to uh, bless all nations through uh, your descendants. And uh, here, God's community is going to go uh, not just in Jerusalem. Jesus actually says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God's community was going out to all nations and to bless them by being witnesses uh, of Jesus and the good news that he brings. It's amazing that God would do this all for his people. Like Edom and the rest of the nations, uh, we deserve to face judgment for our sin and our wickedness too. We deserve death. But in God's kindness and grace, we have... Uh, Jesus, who has, who has faced the just punishment that we deserved by the death and resurrection of uh, Jesus. We have had our sins washed away. This is how God has achieved deliverance and restoration for his people. And this is how, by God's grace, God's presence is with us uh, through the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, uh, this kingdom inheritance is going to come into full fruition when God the Father chooses. And Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, he says this, "'Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation.'" ...that is ready to be revealed in the last time. It would be wrong of us to assume that God's people... ...as God's people, our inheritance awaits us in the land of Israel. Our inheritance awaits us in heaven. We don't know when we're going there... ...but that's where God's people are going. The Israelites would have imagined a very bright future in the land... ...fully occupied by the Israelites but we have a brighter future uh, and a brighter present than the Israelites could have ever imagined um, because of the good news of Jesus. The sure triumph that God promises when he says uh, in verse 21 of Obadiah, and the kingdom will be the Lord's, is achieved through Jesus. The kingdom is Jesus's. As God's people, we are unimaginably blessed because of what Jesus has done for us. God promises deliverance from sin and judgment and he he promises restoration uh, for all who believe in him. He will make things right and things will be good for his people. But God does more than promise deliverance and restoration. He provides uh, deliverance and restoration through his son, Jesus. God justly punishes those who persecute his people. And he grants his people deliverance from judgment and restoration. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a just God. Thank you that you do what is right. You punish those who deserve punishment. But Lord, we're so thankful that although uh, we are like the nations, we are sinful You have chosen us as your people and you have shown immense grace to us by making us your people. Lord, please help us to appreciate that and help us to know that. In Jesus' name, Amen.